Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Today's episode is brought to you by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition. Their brand of clinically researched products helps support overall health. Do you want to burn fat, build lean muscle, improve strength, increase energy and vitality, help with pain relief? Go to www.thecowboyway.com. Register to get your personal discount code. Take the bull by the horns and use the brand that cowboys love. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, Very excited to be here today. And uh, I've got a guest I'm really, really thrilled to have on on the podcast. I I first found out about Chris, like I do a lot of uh, guests I've had on the podcast through social media. And initially, when I when I saw his social media uh, account, his Instagram in particular, I thought, man, who, what is, who is this guy? Is this, is this guy doing all this by himself? I mean, what's the story behind him? A huge amount of followers, uh, amazing photos. And uh, as you know, anybody that's listen, been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm just uh, a super, super uh, fan of anything cowboy, ranchy, western, rodeo, um, and so initially I thought, yeah, is this, is this guy just, he's just a pretty boy or what, what is this? He's a poser kind of thing. You know how we do, we start to maybe prejudge a little bit. And uh, as usual, once you really meet the person or, you know, talk to them or really find out their whole story, there's, they've got a, a whole story behind, you know, what they are and, and what they're doing. And I, I've only spoke with Chris just briefly. Uh, I actually, when I reached out to him, I'd seen a post uh, that he was getting ready to go into the recording studio with Trent Willman. And Trent, um, I met again, uh, well, I learned about Trent years ago when I first started listening to his music, but then I hooked up with him through social media, and he's the one that graciously agreed to allow uh, me to use the Rope and Pin song as the show music for the Modern Cowboy podcast. So Trent and I've had a you know, relationship there, and also I have another product uh, that uh, I was producing for a while there called the Dally King. And so we'd done some stuff with that too. But so when I saw that, 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 that you know, Chris had posted that, I, I reached out to him actually and just thought it'd be great to have him on the podcast and was really, really just, uh, I, I don't know, surprised, inspired, uh, just motivated when I started talking to him and hearing his story and about, you know, how he, you know, got to where he is now and doing what he does. And so I just thought, man, it'd just be awesome to have him on the podcast, let him, you know, tell everybody about, uh, him and, and what he does and, and where he's going. So, uh, Chris, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be on. I, I was definitely honored to be on with some of my uh, mentors and heroes, Trent Willman, one of them, and also Chris Dickinson, uh, both guys that have taught me a tremendous amount, and I look up to them. And, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to happy to be on and talk with you today. Yeah, so now you're, you're actually in Utah, correct? I am. Yeah. So let's just, you know, let's just tell the, the, the listeners, you know, um, some of them may be familiar with your, with your, uh, you know, your social media and, and the photos and stuff, but just tell us how you got involved in, in the cowboy and Western lifestyle uh, and, you know, what's led up to, you know, what you're doing, what you're doing now. So that's just, it's been something that 
my whole life has been a part of who I am. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I was obsessed with horses, and I just had this desire to be a cowboy, and uh, that's what I wanted. It was felt like a part of me, and I couldn't do anything else because that wouldn't be natural. And I, I was heavily involved in art and photography and, and video, and the social media thing just became a way for me to be able to share that lifestyle that I love and enjoy with other people. So uh, it was just a fun way to share this lifestyle that I, I feel the world needs more of. And so I made this page and uh, just started carrying a camera with me everywhere. I, I just take pictures and, and try to share that with the world. So Yeah. And now a lot of the photos you take, are these on ranches that you work on or is it a particular ranch that you're on all the time? Do you, do you go to different locations? And then also are a lot of these pictures, you know, spur of the moment shots or do you set, you know, a lot of them up? I mean, just give us an idea how, you know, on the, on the, you know, the creative end of it, you know, okay. how do you do most of that? Yeah. The, the idea behind what I do is I wanted to capture reality. I wanted to show people what was really going on and, and give them glimpses into everyday things that are happening. Show them that cowboys are still out there and they're still alive and well. <laughs> I've had several people over the years, they're like, cowboys are dead and gone. And I just tell them, like, no, tell that to this guy. Like, I've got an old guy in a picture that, you know, he's the real deal. <laughs> You're not going to tell him that cowboys don't exist. And it, it was kind of based around that idea. But it's all, it's almost all just spur of the moment. Occasionally I'll set up a, a shot that I want to get that I think, oh, that would be a cool shot. Um, but 90% of it's just as it's happening. I'll pull my pull my camera out of the saddlebag and start snapping pictures. Primarily, it's uh, my adventures starting colts and riding in the mountains with good friends. And there are a few ranches that I help on for fun um, that are owned by good friends of mine. And then also I I do work for several ranches. I do a lot of lifestyle photography for them. I design production sale catalogs. I'll, I'll design their catalog take all their lifestyle photos, and then when they have their sale, that's what they send out to their clients. So I do a lot of that. Um, so it's just a mixture of things like that. Yeah, and now uh, the horses that you're riding, you say you, you you know, and, and we spoke before a little bit about this, that you like to start the colts, you get them going in what you can do and get an animal to do and how they respond to you uh, and just how amazing that is. Um, are, are those a lot of the horses that you're riding in, many of your photos and stuff uh, you're you know using those horses every day yeah 90 percent of the the horses that show up that i'm on are mine occasionally i'll get on someone else's that uh maybe it's a ranch there's there's a ranch that i do some work for in colorado and i usually ride their horses just because it's it's a pretty long trip and i don't really want to haul my horses out there but um yeah it's th those are mine and i don't claim to be an expert horse trainer per se but i do love starting colts and taking a young horse and getting them to a point where they can do basic ranch work, uh, moving cows, roping and dragging calves, and mountain riding. I spend a lot of my time in the mountains on in some pretty intense terrain, and I like to get them to the point where they're completely comfortable with that, sure-footed, and that they can handle some uh, circumstances that a lot of horses would not be able to handle. It's just That's just what I love and what I enjoy and what I use my horses for, so... My favorite thing in the world is just taking a, a young horse like that that's scared and nervous and and you take that animal and you create this relationship, build confidence in them and and before you know it, they are 
just going through the craziest country you can imagine over over deadfall rocks through water and and it doesn't even phase them and they're they're your best friend and that's what i love is building that relationship and and taking a horse from point a to point b another thing that i love to focus on are horses that maybe have had some bad experiences and they might have some anxiety or fear and maybe things have happened in their interaction with people that's caused some problems i love taking those horses and trying to work through those problems and get them to where they are useful and safe to ride and it's just pretty fulfilling to me to take a horse that you feel has some major issues and get them past it to where they're comfortable and happy and they're willing to do anything for you some of the best horses i have owned were in the beginning some of the craziest horses to begin with but after we worked through those problems they they just had this connection to me and and they've actually been the most loyal horses that I that I've ever owned and and I could do anything on those horses so those are some things that I just I love and I have a passion for yeah now you know like myself, you know, I just, I can't ever remember when I, you know, just didn't want to have on a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and wanted to be a cowboy. And you alluded to that. That's as long as you can remember. Now, were you raised on a ranch? So <laughs> my, my background's a little bit interesting. So my dad was raised on, on a dairy farm and he, when he was younger, he was a, uh, he rodeoed, he was a bareback rider and did a little bit of bulldogging. And he, he actually, decided at one point that it was a pretty rough lifestyle where he was at and he didn't want his kid to be in that lifestyle and but then I come along and that's all I want (laughs) and so um (laughs) he he had moved away from it and moved on um my grandpa had had cows and horses and and I would go over every Saturday and help him on the ranch and help build fences and and (laughs) right on the the tractor plow for extra weight. I don't know how many kids out there did that, but just <laughs> stuff that nowadays you look at and you're like, man, people probably don't do that a whole lot anymore. But he's like, jump on that plow. And we'd sit there and just go plow the field and we're standing on the back of it to push down the <laughs> plow. But, um, so I wasn't really raised necessarily on a, on a cattle ranch or anything, but I grew up in that, the farming lifestyle around horses. Um, I had, neighbors that had ranches and out here the way it works is is a lot of small ranches what they do is they call their neighbors for help when they when it comes time to brand or or vaccinate you call your neighbors and so I was involved in that a lot because I absolutely loved it I ended up making really good friends with the older cowboys that lived near me um, because I wanted to be a cowboy and so they knew that and they would come to me and say you know my grandkids don't want to wear cowboy boots so do you want these boots? And so they'd give me their old boots and they'd give me their old bits and they'd give me their old hats and, um, ropes. And I got a pair of batwing shaps from an old guy that gave them to me. Just, I, I just bonded with the, those old guys that could teach me about that lifestyle. And so anytime they needed help, they would call me, I'd go work for them. And that's, that's kind of how I grew up. And I first started to get into that cowboy lifestyle. And and when did you, when did you finally get your, your first horse? <laughs> So I, I was about 11 years old and, uh, I remember, like I was saying before, my dad kind of tried to keep me away from the horse world and, and, but it was just a matter of time. And 
I heard about this contest, and it was probably one of these old cowboys that told told me about it. And they told me about the the local 4-H and a local um, breeding barn was giving away a colt, and you just had to write an essay of why you should have this colt. They sent out the contest rules, and I got a hold of them, and I thought, all right, here's my chance. I am I'm going to write an essay, and I'm going to win a horse. And <laughs> and actually, at that point in time, my dad, he supported me in it, and he, he knew that's all I cared about. And he actually helped me write that essay. And I submitted it. I did a bunch of research on what's it going to take to to raise this horse and to take care of it and to give it the proper nutrition and, and, and all of that stuff. That was all part of the essay. Um, and I ended up winning. So I won my first horse from from an essay that I wrote. And... It was something that changed my life, and it was the moment that I, my entire childhood, that I was looking forward to, was to having my own horse. That's 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 crazy. Now, now you ended up with this horse, so and it was it was a colt, so uh, it wasn't something you could just jump on and ride. Yeah, I got it as a yearling, and that actually played into my development and why I ended up enjoying that that first phase of of training a horse so much. So I got this horse as a yearling, like I said, and I had a, one of my neighbors that was a well-known horseman and horse trainer, and I reached out to him, and he kind of took me under his wing, and he helped me to train that first horse, and he showed me the process, and, and anytime I had any questions, I'd call him, and he would he would answer those questions for me and help me to overcome any struggles or any roadblocks that we had with that horse. So he really got me hooked on taking a, a young horse, getting it going, and then about two years old, we'll throw the saddle on and start getting that horse to where you can ride it. And then during during that time, did you were you interested in in photography or art or some of the things you're doing now? Yeah, so so back then I hadn't got into the photography yet, but I was really big into art. My whole life I've always enjoyed art and drawing and when I was this is kind of a sidetrack, but when I was 21, I, I I was heavy into pen and ink drawings of Western art and wildlife, and I actually got into a gallery in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, started selling my artwork up there. Um, and so that that's the what I was into at that point. hadn't evolved into photography. It was into it was just black and white drawings. And then when did you finally pick up your first camera? I've always been in love with the visual and, and sharing emotion through an image. And that was what, what my art started with. I, I just would take a, a picture of a guy roping and, and try to share that feeling that it, it gives. And I, I got, got a job for a hunting magazine in southern Utah. So I started to film hunts and turned it actually into my full-time job was filming. And I ended up getting my first DSLR as a backup video camera for supplemental video. And I started taking pictures just because I had this awesome camera. And before long, I realized that I could take that idea of sharing art and sharing a feeling and sharing emotion through an image and I could use that and instead of taking a week to draw a picture of a cowboy I could go out and I could take a hundred pictures and and come back and I would I could share that with people immediately 
And so that's, that's where I got into the photography part. I still had that art aspect and I still could share that stuff, but it was faster. It was immediate. Just, I could take the pictures and share them immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the images you have, you know, on social media are just, I mean, they're captivating and they just, they draw you in and, and, you know, and they make me kind of jealous because you're doing all these <laughs> that I would love to be doing every day. And a lot of people would love to be doing every day, but uh, I think that's, what's one of the things that's just so fascinating about it. And it allows, you know, people just like you said, to, to have a peek into, into that world and that uh, it, it still does exist. And, I think is, is growing more and more myself. And, and that's kind of what the platform of this podcast is about as well. But uh, I, I got a question uh, and I, I wondered this from, from the first time, you know, I found out about you. Uh, how did the name diehard cowboy come about? It's just one of those things that my whole life, like even when I was younger, diehard was just that word that describes somebody that's unchanging, that is always going to be a certain way. And it doesn't right. matter doesn't matter what's going on around them. The world may be changing and and telling you that you shouldn't be a cowboy, but you're always you're always going to have that in you. And so for me, it right. was that it was um, die hard. Like you're not changing. You're 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 gonna be in that lifestyle, and you're gonna do everything you can to live that lifestyle. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks. You just I'm gonna be me. And, and that's what I want to be is I've always wanted to be a cowboy. And that's, that's where that came from. Okay. Now, uh, something else that, that you're doing too, and I, I can't remember if we, I think we talked about a little bit at the beginning here, but you're, you're singing and guitar playing and songwriting. Uh, when did that come about? When did you become interested in that? And, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, you, you've just been recently doing some recording, uh, share with the listeners, you know, how you got started that in, 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 you know, in, in the singing and, and songwriting. So music was always a, a huge part of my life ever since I was just a tiny little kid. I remember my dad would, was always singing. And, uh, so I always grew up with it. My dad was actually in the tabernacle choir. And so his, his voice was just this powerful operatic voice. And I knew that wasn't me. And besides that, I was scared to death. I was a pretty shy kid, and I there was no way I was going to sing in front of anybody. So I always listened to music, and I loved music. When I was I was probably 10 or 12, I got my first album, and it was a Chris Ledoux album, and I would go to sleep every night listening to Chris Ledoux, and I'd sing along, and I loved it. But it wasn't, at that point in time, it wasn't something I would ever do in front of anyone. I would never sing in front of anyone. I was just, that was my dad's thing, and I, to be honest, I was scared of it. And I just let that fear win. And so I, I never shared that with anybody until much later in life. Yeah, but it was always a part of my life. And I would I would drive down the road and I would make up songs. And But but at that point, I wouldn't write anything down. I would just make it up on the fly and then forget it. And there just came a point when it just had more influence and more influence on me. But yeah, that's that's where it started. And it had more influence to where you finally had to start writing you down because you'd sing something probably and it would sound really good. And then you forgot it and you go, man, I wish I'd have wrote that down because that was a really good tune. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, it started out like it was just for me. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on sharing it with anybody. I wanted to write, I wanted to write songs for me because I loved it and I loved the music. And mm -hmm. so 
I, I just had this growing desire to know how that worked and how to write a song and, and how music worked. And I took piano lessons as a kid for like six years, so I had a little bit of background in it, and I knew roughly how things worked, but I wanted some extra help. And just the way life works is so crazy sometimes, and it leads you in, in the direction you're supposed to go. But I ended up in southern Utah, and it was a place that I'd never in my life would have imagined moving because I grew up in northern Utah on the about 50 miles from the border of Wyoming and that's where my family's been since 1856 and that's where I was going to stay and just the circumstances of life pushed me down here and all of a sudden here I am in southern Utah and I ended up making friends with this certain group of people and we would hang out about every night and just so happens one of the one of them was a guitar player and and we'd sit around at night, and we'd go around in a circle making up songs, and, and we'd each take a line. So I, I'd sing a line, then my buddy would sing another line, and we'd just go around the room making up these random songs. And after a few times doing this, I it, it hit me even harder. Like I love making up lyrics. I love coming up with songs and sharing that. And so as time went on, that desire just got so strong. And finally, I went to my friend that played the guitar, and I just said, hey, I've got a song that I want to write, but I, I just, I don't know how to write the guitar chords for it. Would you help me? And, and she's like, sure, I'll help you. Sing it to me. <laughs> and, and I looked at her. I'm like, no, I'm not singing you my song. No. And so we left it at that. And it, How old were you at that time? Man, I was in my 20s. So like I had held it off for that long. I, I was in college and I still didn't dare okay. sing in front of anybody. About a week goes by and, and that just kept nagging at me like, you need to do this, you need to do this. And finally I went to her and I'm like, all right, I'll sing you the song. So I sang her the song. She wrote guitar chords. And <laughs> it was funny, every single time we got together after that, she's like, all right, Chris is going to sing a song. And <laughs> it just, all the, the peer pressure, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't say no after a while. And so before long, all my friends knew that I, could sing a little bit and and they're like hey sing your song sing your song and it just went like that for a while and and that group of people that knew I sang grew and grew and I had all these people that kept telling me hey you need to pursue this you need to sing more you need to you need to write more and so I started writing songs on my own until I had seven or eight songs written and I came a point when I was like, I want to record these. Right. And so that, so this friend of yours that, you know, you asked to write some chords on a guitar for a song you wrote. She's the one that really was the first one that got you to open up and sing. And then it just took time. I mean, this isn't something like you said, Hey, I want to be a, I want to be a super country star, you know, and, and all this is something that's just developed more, more or less organically. And uh, over time you just, by you know putting yourself out there and writing and showing up at the at open mic nights uh you realize that hey man this is something that i think i can really do yeah a, a lot of that came like you said from an organic source it, it wasn't me wanting to go out and be a singer it was more i had this awesome group of friends and they were pushing me and they heard me sing right. and they're and they're like you need to do this and so it started with her helping me to write that first song but then after that that whole group of friends just kept pushing me and pushing me. And there was, I had another friend in that group that had a guitar and I ended up borrowing that guitar from her for like probably a year 
before before I got my <laughs> first guitar, I was playing on this borrowed guitar, and I started figuring out how to write those chords and how to how to create a song. And so it was just was something that my life was pushed toward. I didn't necessarily start out as a little kid like, hey, I want to be a country singer. Yeah, that's 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 great. Hey, let's take a minute here and have a word from our sponsor, the FSR Cattle Companies, making this podcast possible today, and we'll be right back with you. For years, FSR Cattle Company has been known for their premium roping cattle, used and endorsed by multiple world champions and NFR qualifiers. But did you know that FSR is also the home of quality rope horses for all levels, from professional team roping to the novice level? A trip to Weatherford, Texas and to the FSR headquarters will give you a variety of horses to choose from. FSR Cattle Company will arrange transport for your new horse back home and a free ride back to the airport for you. For your convenience, we accept credit cards for all horses found at FSR. We strongly believe in matching team ropers with horses they can work and win with. So when you back in the box on a horse you found at FSR Cattle Company, you know you're mounted to win. Visit us online at fsrcattlecompany.com or in the office at 817-598-1222 and let us help find your next winner. Again, that's fsrcattlecompany.com. So now, Chris, you, uh, you know, you've, you've writing songs, you're showing up to these open mics, uh, you've put yourself out there, you know this is something that uh, you, you want to do. Uh, now you're in uh, studio recording with Trent Wilmon producing you um, and, and Trent is a you know basically now uh, I guess he's a veteran of you know in Nashville I mean he's written songs for so many big artists including himself great songs and like I mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, uh, he's uh, graciously allowed me to use the rope and pin on on uh, this podcast for the show music uh, how, how did that come about how did you end up you know, recording, uh, with Trent and, and tell us about, you know, what that, what that looks like right now. I, I guess before we, before I dive into how I met Trent, I've, I've got to fill in a gap of, of how I got to the point of even really making that decision that I, I want to record my songs and I want to sing, sing them for people. After I had all those friends pushing me for a while, I started writing songs. And like I said, I had six or seven of them and I decided to go into a local studio and record on my own. I did my first album and I ended up, I had a friend, well, he was a friend of my dad and, and he got a hold of just a burnt CD with three of my songs on it. And he was a good friend with Colin Ray. And he had organized this concert in my hometown that Colin Ray was going to sing at. Well, anyway, he went to pick Colin Ray up from the airport and he had this burnt CD that had three of my songs on it. And he he picks up Colin and he throws that CD in the CD player and he's like, Hey, listen to this. And Colin heard a couple of my songs and, and he said, Hey, I want this kid to play before I come on stage. And at that point I had never sang in front of a group bigger than like 30 (laughs) people. And I was scared out of my mind, but I knew, I knew that I wanted to do that. I knew I wanted to share my song and, and overcome that fear. And this was like my hometown, so it's even worse because <laughs> singing in front of your hometown is, you know, that's scary. You can do it in front of strangers, yeah. but people who've known you your whole life. So I ended up getting out on stage right before he came out, and I played the one song that he wanted me to play. And 
I was scared to death, but I made it through the song. And after it was like, I did it and I'm okay. <laughs> like I can do this. Right. <laughs> and I got so much support from that. And I talked to Colin Ray after, and he was, he was just incredibly supportive and encouraged me to pursue it. Basically that was a turning point in my life of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to, I'm going to sing and I'm going to write more and I'm going to actually do this. The other, the other thing in there that, that happened was I wanted to get over that, that fear of singing in front of people. And so I ended up, there was a local bar in town that held an open mic once a week. And I showed up to that open mic every week for a year until I was okay singing in front of people. So over the, over the next few years, I, I organized a band and started playing shows and started traveling a little bit and, and it was always the end goal to, I just wanted to share real country music and have something that I could be proud of. And that was, that was kind of the goal for me. And somewhere after my first album, I'd written a bunch of new songs and I started to record a few of them and, and I just had this feeling that, oh, my songs, I like them but I feel like they have so much more potential. So I, I was in the moment where I realized I, I want some help. And so I started doing some research of getting a producer, like someone to take a great idea, a great song, and make it even better. And where I started was looking at people who are releasing music right now that I love. And Trent Wilman was one of those people, and he, he just has great music and it's still country. That was one of the things I wanted. I, I, I wanted to share country music. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it's not, I want to be a rock star. I, I want to be a pop star. I, no, I want, I want to share country music that I enjoy and that I can be proud of. And mm-hmm. one of the people was Cody Johnson too. Like he, he's come and kind of revolutionized country music. He's bringing it back to what it, what it was at one point in time. And as I dug more into that, I realized, oh, there's a connection here. This Trent Wilman guy that has great music that I love has also been Cody Johnson's producer. And so I had this idea that I want uh, Trent Wilman to produce my next album. And it was just this dream. And mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of where it started. I had this dream that Trent Wilman was going to produce my album. I tried I tried to figure out how to get in contact with him and I could not I like I tried to find his email, I couldn't do it and I have a a manager that's just incredible and she ended up getting in contact with him and said, "Hey, I've I've got a kid that I think you'd be interested in working with." And paved the way and he invited me out to write and we wrote a few songs and then he he called me out again. We wrote a few more songs and it was just this incredible experience. And after that second time going out to ride, I finally asked him, hey, would you produce my album? And he agreed to do it. And um, it's just from there, that's that's where we started. And, and how long ago was that when, when you first met Trent and you guys start, you know, started writing a few songs? So that was last, um, last May, started writing songs. We ended up, we've written eight songs together um, that will be on this album. And then I've pulled a few from uh, songs that I'd written in the past. Now, and, and so this all happened relatively quickly because if you met him last May, um, I know you guys, you guys just got done recording and, and did, was this the final, uh, your final album that you guys just finished recording? I mean, you were just there, what, a week or two ago in Nashville? 
Yeah, just got finished on Tuesday doing all the tracking of the band. But yeah, we're we're almost done. Uh, should be set to release around mid to late May. Nice. Very, very exciting, man. Very excited for you and uh, really looking forward to uh, to hearing your album. Now, you, you know, there's 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 something else uh, that I always, you know, talk with guests about on here, too. Um, and it's, uh, you know, like Western fashion, cowboy fashion. I'm obsessed with it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some I mean, you know, you, you've always you know, I mean, you always look so amazing in all your photos and everything. Uh, you know, your cowboy hats, you know, everybody shapes their hat a little bit different and you like, it, it seems like you like your crown a little bit lower on your hat. Yeah. I don't know. I got this weird style, I guess that <laughs> I actually had this old, old grungy hat that had just the regular cattleman's crease. And I wore that for years. And one day mm-hmm. I, I was just like, I'm ready for something new. And this was several years ago and I was sitting there and I got the steam out and I, heated up this hat and I pushed the crown down and I did kind of a flat top round crown a little bit more oval um right and I left the sides the same and I was just like I like this and I started wearing it it was just a home home job like I had shaped it myself and right it just kind of became my style and so when I started having hats made um I would show them pictures of that and say hey this is what I want that's very cool. Now, do you have a, a, a favorite hat maker or do you have a couple different guys that make them for you? Or? Uh, I do. I, I, I use just a friend of mine, He's but he's an incredible hat maker. Um, his name's Chaz Mitchell. Um, his, he's the son of Waddy Mitchell, who I'm sure you've heard of. Um, but oh, he, yeah. He's, yeah. An, he's an incredible hat maker. Chaz Hats on Instagram does a great job building a hat. And so I have him make all my hats. Very cool. And then you like a, a little bit wider brim? Yeah, a little house? bit. It's just, yeah, it, it's pretty traditional, really, as far as the brim goes, yeah. but maybe a little wider. Yeah, very cool. And then I know I know that you've done some stuff with uh, with uh, Tony Llama boots, so uh, I, I, I dare say that Tony Llama is probably your, your go-to brand right now, or do you have a couple brands you wear? Yeah, they've always been my favorite. I've I've... I've owned a lot of brands, but they're, they've just been my favorite, uh, probably for the last 15 years anyway. Um, and I think that came from my, my dad always had a pair of, he had an old pair of Tony Llamas and that was his boot. And I think I picked that up when I was little. I just, I always wanted Tony Llamas. But then as I got older and I started buying different brands, it was always the one that I came back to that I, they just fit well and they lasted and I, I just liked what they were making. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I've, I'm the same way with Justin Boots, and I know Justin and Tony Lama are the same company now, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they make great boots, and you can get them in different widths, which I wear a, a narrow, and I love that. So uh, I, I I have to agree with you there. Now, how about uh, how about cowboy movies? You got a favorite cowboy movie? Or I got a lot. When I was a kid, me and my dad would we'd watch a lot of cowboy movies. That that was his favorite thing was cowboy movies, and so. I've got a lot of favorites. Like obviously, most of the people that I've listened to on this podcast mentioned this one: this John Wayne and the Cowboys. That was always right. one I loved. I loved Silverado. Um, yeah, just any of those old classics. I loved them. Um, but the Cowboys stands out as well. Yeah, I like Tombstone. Yeah. That all of those. They're they're all great 
Yeah, it's 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 definitely hard hard to pick one. Now, are you are you, are you competing at all? I mean, in in any type of events from any type of rope and ranch rodeos, uh, you know, anything like that, or is it mostly just uh, cowboy and day work and doing what doing what you're doing with uh, training your horses? Yeah, I don't really compete now. Uh, <laughs> it was something that I I had to get out of my system. I ever mm-hmm. since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a bronc rider because my dad was a bareback rider, and it, that was just something that I. Man, I'd listen to that Chris Ledoux music, and I was like, I want to be a bronc rider. And right. <laughs> I actually wrote a song about this that tells this story. It's called Rodeo Road, and it'll be on this upcoming album. But when I was 14, the junior rodeo came to town, and I, I, I was like, I'm going to ride bareback, just like my dad did. And I, So I went to my dad, and I, I told him, I said, hey, I'm entering this um, junior rodeo. I'm going to ride bareback. And he, he looked at me and he's like, I'll tell you what, if you wait till next year to do it, I'll teach you how to ride. And <laughs> I kind of figured that was just a way to, you know, put me off and he, right. hope I, he hoped I'd forget about it. And I just looked at him and I'm like, nah, I'll, I'm just going to ride. And so <laughs> I, I, I entered up and I ended up taking second place. And that was the first time I ever rode and I just fell in love with it. And from then on, it was just something that I always it was in my mind that I was going to do that at some point. And, you know, life happens. And, and before long I was in college and I still hadn't really dove into it. And so some of my earliest years in college, I started riding bareback with a group of friends because we were all in the same boat. Every single one of us had this desire to, to ride Bronx. And most of our parents had done it and told us not to. And so, right. <laughs> so all of us together, we just joined up and we started going to rodeos and there was this, uh, local rodeo that we went to every week and it was actually one of those tourist rodeos where they pay you even if you get bucked off. So it was great. We could go get bucked off and still get paid. <laughs> so we all did that and, and start, that's how we started out. We did a, anything that was nearby, we would, we were signing up to ride. It was just the best time of my life. I, I loved that. And Man, every time I go to rodeo, even to this day, I, I just I'm like I want to I want to ride again. I want to get back on a bronc. Just something that <laughs> it was. It's like the line for my song is it's it's in my blood, and it just I felt like it was part of me, and I needed to do it. And I'm I'm really glad I yeah. had that time in my life that I did ride broncs. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Now, is there is there anything that uh, any interests or any other hobbies or things that you do that uh, we'd be surprised to know about any 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 other skills you have something outside of everything we've talked about which is uh, quite a lot of stuff actually <laughs> probably not really like like my I try to keep things fairly simple I do a lot of different things but mm-hmm. I, I feel like I don't have a lot of free time necessarily when I, when I have time to myself I'm working on music, I'm practicing the guitar, I'm writing songs, or if I'm not doing that, if I feel like I need a break and I need a reset button, I'm riding my horse. Um, right. I, I guess something that would fall out of those categories is snowmobiling. Snowmobiling has always been a huge passion of mine, and I've always loved that. But as far as free time goes, pretty much 100% of my free time is dedicated to learning something or building yeah. something. I, I try not to have free time where I'm I'm doing something that I feel like is not in line with my ultimate goals. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
Well, hey, Chris, I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you coming on the podcast and sharing your story and, and uh, you know, and just everything that you do on social media. I, I think it's, I think it's just a great service to be able to, you know, showcase, uh, you know, the cowboy, the lifestyle uh, that, uh, and I think that it, I think that it helps the cowboy rodeo and Western lifestyle and culture by, by, you know, allowing uh, another window into, for people to see it. Uh, as we all well know, the world we live in is, is, uh, you know, we've got urban sprawl, we got things getting smaller, but there's a lot of people that uh, would love to, you know, be cowboys. And I, I believe that there's a little bit of cowboy in everybody. And uh, I think that it's just important. We continue to grow this culture in, in all ways from its music to the sports and the athletes that we have in the rodeo now and, and in ranching and everything else. So uh, I'm just, I'm honored to have you on and uh, super excited for you with your career. Looking forward to your album coming out and um, just really stoked. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You said there's a little bit of cowboy in everybody, and to be able to bring that little bit of cowboy to somebody's day is just that—that's what makes it worth it for me. Absolutely, I I agree, man, and uh, and you do a great job at it. I mean, your photos are are amazing. You know, it just uh, it it's uh, it, it's art is what it is, and and I've said it before. Uh, you know, I think social media is is a great great tool, uh, and and um, and that's what I love about it. So. Uh, Again, man, my hat's off to you, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to to that album, and I'm sure probably we're going to see you in movies before long after that. So <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> well, anyway, Chris, hey, man, thanks again. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. But I give her hell, I think I never can tell. Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers And we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle And philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pain And it takes a little skill And a little luck You can talk smack You can back it up 